Lasting Love Podcast, presented by CoachingWithFroy.com. You've found the place where single adults come for mindful wisdom and insight into how to attract and create healthy, lasting, conscious relationships. And now, here's your host, the owner of CoachingWithFroy.com, number one best-selling author, certified relationship coach, and TV analyst, Roy Biancalana. Well, hello again, and welcome to another edition of the Attracting Lasting Love Podcast. As always, my name is Roy Biancolana. I am your host, and today I want to begin a three-part series on personal growth. Yes, I know that this podcast is about attracting a life partner, but if you've listened to anything that I have to say or read any of my books or blogs or seen any of my videos, you know that the pathway to attracting a healthy, sustainable, intimate relationship is to grow as a person yourself, right? It's all about recognizing that you can never attract a person or a relationship that is healthier than you are, right? The law of attraction as much garbage as there is in the world about that principle, in reality, all it means is like attracts like. You attract after your own kind. Birds of a feather flock together. And so in relationships, that means you will attract someone and experience a relationship that is at the same level of your own personal development. Wherever you are on the maturity scale, the evolution scale, (laughs) there is no such thing, but you know what I mean. However developed you are, you will attract someone at that same level and you will experience the fruit of that level in your love life. It can't be otherwise. There is no way that you will attract a partner who is way more evolved than you. They won't have anything really in common with you. You're at different levels, different places, and you will never attract someone who is less evolved than you. That one's harder to swallow because many of us feel like our exes were morons to some degree or not and that we were better than them or superior to them or more evolved than them. Well, maybe you're more evolved now, but not when you were together. All relationship dynamics are co-created. Most relationship problems are the result of the general idea of codependence. And the operative phrase there is co. (laughs) There's no such thing as a relationship where one person is dependent and the other person isn't. It's very common that people are dependent on each other for different things. But the root of all drama is 
depending on another person to give you something that they are not supposed to give you or cannot give you. When you're expecting your partner to fill a void or fix a problem or finish a story in your life or help you find an identity, they are going to fail to do that for you and you for them, and you will experience drama because you're not healing my emotional need. You're not giving me what I need. How often do we hear people break up in relationships and say, I just wasn't getting my needs met? What that person is saying is I'm a codependent and they were not willing or able to meet the needs that I was unwilling or able to meet within myself. So all relationships, the people in them, are at, in some way on an emotional, psychological, unconscious way. They're, at, they're in the same place. They are equally healthy or not. They are equally evolved or not. So when you begin to understand that you can't attract a relationship that's healthier than you are, you have this aha moment, which is, well, I want to be in a very healthy, you know, sustainable relationship. And if I can't attract anyone healthier than myself, then the only way for me to have that wonderful relationship is to make myself healthier. And if I'm healthier, I'm going to attract a healthier playmate. That is the insight that will change your relationship life. Because you no longer are looking to find a partner. That's ridiculous. You can always find a partner, but you're going to find them at the same level of consciousness that you are. And if, if you're not at a very high level of maturity or consciousness or relationship functioning, then you're going to end up in the same kind of relationships you've always been in. So the key to a great relationship is not by finding the right person. It's about being the right person. You've heard that before, but maybe now you understand why it's true. So you got to raise your level. You got to grow up. You got to work on yourself. Your evolution, your awakening, your mindfulness, your consciousness, your relationship skills, the higher they are, the the better person you attract and the better dynamic that you experience. So given that, I'm going to do a three-part series on what does it really mean to grow? <laughs> and what are the secrets? What are the secrets? And in my mind, what are the secrets that no one really talks about? Because they're not very popular. Because they don't sell books. They don't get ratings. They don't get clicks. Have you noticed 
that the real stuff that matters, I don't know what, doesn't matter what profession or what area of life you're talking about, but the stuff that really makes a difference, have you noticed that it's not very popular, it's not very comfortable, it's not very soothing, it's not very um, like pleasant to hear, but it's the truth. You know, like for instance, I did a podcast at the beginning of the year, you know, on the conscious approach to weight loss. And I said something very unpopular there um, about weight loss um, that nobody wants to say because it does not sell books. You do know that the three types of books that are best selling in the world, I know this stuff because I'm an author, relationship books sell money, financial stuff sells, and diet and fitness books sell. But there's a, <laughs> there's a reason that what I'm about to say about weight loss, there's no books on it because it's not an exciting title. It, 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 it doesn't get clicks. Nobody really wants to hear it, but we all know it's true. Like, would you buy a weight loss book that said, Something like, um, you're overweight because you're unwilling to do anything about it. (laughs) Would you buy that book? You're fat because you're unwilling to really take your your health seriously. Because here's the thing about weight loss. Nobody's overweight. And I'm trying to lose five or ten pounds right now myself. Okay, so nobody's overweight because they don't know how to lose weight. Or they don't or they lack knowledge in terms of what to eat or how to do it, right? Find me a person that doesn't know you're not supposed to eat McDonald's five, six times a week, and you're not supposed to eat a whole bag of potato chips at a setting. Oh, gosh, I didn't know you weren't supposed to do that, right? In other words, we don't lack knowledge. The last thing you need is to buy some some weight loss book that tells you how to do it. That ain't it. The, the issue is you're not willing, That's the issue. And there are no books on willingness. (laughs) You could follow a dozen different diet plans and workout plans. They they all work if you do them. Right? So sometimes the real truth nobody talks about because, one, people don't want to hear it. Or, two, eh, they don't sell. Nobody wants to buy a book like that. So um, this podcast is free. So I'm not asking you to buy anything. (laughs) And um, I'm just going to give you some truth that I've discovered over many, many years of being uh, a personal growth aficionado. I mean, my whole life has been about growing, achieving, performing, reaching goals, accomplishing things. That, my whole life has been about that, for better or worse. And there's some ego in that. Certainly, it's a part of my personality structure. There's lots of dangers in it. But I consider myself to be a world-class expert on getting better at something. Okay, I'm good at that. I'm good at teaching. I'm good at getting better at things that I put my mind to. 
I'm good at helping other people achieve their goals, whether it's attracting a relationship or getting better at golf. I don't care what it is. I know how to get better at things. And I'm going to spend three podcasts in a row here giving you the three most unpopular secrets about personal growth. And I hope you're into it because it really is the key to attracting lasting love. And all three of them are going to be transferable to other areas of your life. That's kind of the beauty. Truth is, um, is transferable. Truth applies to all areas of life. If something's true, it's true everywhere. Okay? So having, having said that, let's just jump into the first one. And, and, and the first part of this, the, the first most unpopular secret to personal growth is that if you want to grow or improve in anything, you have to work on your weaknesses. You, you have to identify what is holding you back from being great, from relating the way you want, from achieving a goal. I mean, you, you have to know where you're weak, where you're sabotaging yourself, where you're tripping yourself up. And you have to have the guts to work on your weakness. Now that, that, that might not sound too radical, but let me tell you, it's so easy to, to focus on things you're already good at. I mean, you get so much better feedback when you're when you're spending time on things that you're proficient at that you're good at you could be in relationship if you're a great listener it's so easy to be in a relationship and be a good listener and practice that and do that and you get people's oh you're such a good listener um you know and it 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 feels good to the ego you you get lots of pats on the back you feel good you know you're able to do it, so there's good feedback from doing it. But when you work on your weaknesses, usually when you do that, you fuck up. Because, well, it's an area you're not good at. And so when you practice on that area, it doesn't feel very good. Because I keep screwing it up. I keep doing it wrong. I keep making the same mistakes. It's not natural to me. This is hard. This is how working on stuff you're good at is easy and feels good and everybody appreciates it. But working on stuff that you're, you're, you're weak at, that you're not good at, even though you know it's really what's holding you back, it's hard to work on that stuff because you get lots of negative feedback because by definition, you're not good at it. So let, let me just put this in because I've been a professional golfer my whole life. And you, you'll see, it, it, it transcends this illustration to anything. You know, golfers, there's three or four different parts of the game, right? There's your tee shots, and then there's your iron play when you hit the ball off the ground, and then there's your chipping, and 
you know, short game stuff, and then there's putting, right? You can ask most any golfer of any skill level, and they're going to tell you in those four areas, they, they might suck at all of them, but they can tell you that well, I'm really weak at putting. That's my thing. I mean, I'm not a great golfer, but I'm a terrible putter. Or I'm okay in this area or that area, but I'm terrible chipping and hitting sand shots or, you know what I mean? So you ask any golfer and they'll be able to tell you what the weakest part of their game is. And then I just want you to follow them around during the week as they engage with golf. And what you're going to see is they don't spend any time doing the weakness. Very little time. They certainly don't spend 80 to 90% of their time working on the worst part of their game. Why? Because it ain't no fun. It's no fun to stand there and miss putt after putt after putt. (laughs) If you're good at hitting a driver really long and straight, you're going to see them on the the driving range hitting one driver after another because they're good at it and it feels good. Golfers don't work on their weaknesses. And they never get better. Because all the parts of their game that are good, well, they just keep doing those and they stay good in those areas. But the anchor, the part that's really holding them back, never improves because they don't, they don't really commit that I'm going to be a better putter if it kills me. I'm going to work on my weaknesses. Now, you tell me if that doesn't apply to our relationships. Right? What's your weakness? Have you ever been able to identify, like, what is the thing about you that really holds you back, that that really sabotages you? Maybe it's something in your personality or just kind of the way you show up in the world. Maybe it's an attitude. I'm going to give you like 10 areas, 10 of what I consider to be the most common weaknesses that we should be working on if they apply to us, but we often don't. But let me tell you a little quick story. Aside from being a, a, a relationship coach and working with individuals and groups on how to attract lasting love, that's what I do. I also train people to be coaches. Okay, So I have a coach training program. If, you, if you're interested in it, just let me know. I'll give you info, but it's a one-year program. It teaches you everything from how to coach people, how to get clients, how to build a business and run it on your own. You know, it's all in-depth stuff. But one of the things I do with my coach trainees is um, I want them as coaches to work on their weaknesses. You You really can't coach people if... Your own life is a mess. You know what I mean? Like, would you take a golf lesson from someone who couldn't hit the ball out of their shadow? Right? Would would you go to work with a personal trainer in the gym that was 50 pounds overweight and had absolutely no muscle definition and look like they've never spent a minute on a treadmill? Of course you wouldn't. 
right? So when I'm training coaches, you, you've got to be living a pretty conscious life, which means you need to identify your weaknesses and work on them. So one of the assignments I, I give my coach trainees is I ask them to go to people in their life and ask them if they'd be willing to tell them their truth as to what is it about them that holds them back in life. And I ask my coach trainees, I want you to go to people who know you and love you and say, tell me my blind spot. Tell me the thing that really sabotages me in my my life and my relationships and my career. What, what am I doing that you see that I really need to work on? And this is based on the principle that very often you can't see your own blind spot. That's why it's called a blind spot. You can't see it, <laughs> right? So you have to ask other people, tell me, tell me my weaknesses, right? It's really popular to go to people and say, I want all my friends to tell me what is my superpower, right? That's what we do. There, there's actually a lot of programs out there where they want you to go to all your friends and people and say, tell me what you think my superpower is. That's nonsense. If it's your superpower, you're already doing it and you're doing it good. And so that's just stroking your ego. How much better to go to people and say, tell me what is my super problem? (laughs) What is my super weakness? What's holding me back? And so I do that with my coaching clients. But not only do I say, go to your, your friends and people that love you and see if they'd be willing to give you some real candid feedback on what they see in your life, which is hard for them to do. But I ask my coaching clients to contact people who, um, who are not in your fan club, perhaps an ex, perhaps a boss that's fired you, perhaps a friend who no longer speaks to you. Go to people who don't think your shit doesn't stink. Go to people who thinks your shit does stink and ask them, what do I need to work on as a human being? What messes me up? What sabotages me? What, what do you think my weaknesses are? <laughs> you want to be a coach? <laughs> do you want to grow? Do you, do you want to grow and be a healthier person so that you can attract a healthy dynamic? Well, just knowing what your superpower is isn't going to do it. You've had the superpower probably your entire life. And look at the relationships you've attracted and the experiences you've had. No, what's sabotaging you are your weaknesses. And you might not even know what they are. So you, you might need to ask some people. So part of the answer to this, in this first podcast, in the three most unpopular secrets of genuine personal growth, is you need to work on your weaknesses and you might need to ask people what they are. Because maybe, you, I mean, you might, you probably know of something you think you need to work on, but maybe it's not the most important thing. Maybe you've got more than one weakness. Join the human race, right? So 
what you think your weakness is might not really be the one that you should be working on. But maybe it is, right? But if you want to grow and if you recognize that the type of relationship I'm going to attract and experience is going to be a reflection of my personal growth, then you better look for your weaknesses and make them your strengths. So let me walk you through. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you 10 of the most um, popular weaknesses. <laughs> 10 things that are very common that many people deal with. So I don't want you to hear any of this with shame. There's nothing wrong with you. You just have room to grow. You have room to evolve. There's things you can work on. When a golfer is a terrible putter, that doesn't mean they're a terrible person. It just means you're a lousy putter. You just got to work on your putting. It's not personal, <laughs> right? So when you have a weakness, it's not personal. It's not who you are. Who you are is made in the image of God. Who, who you are is spirit. Who you are is perfection, but in, in your form, like in your humanness, you got some dark sides. You got some blind spots. You got some weaknesses. So don't take it personal. Just as I, I got to work on this part of my game. <laughs> right? This is a part of my game I got to work on. If I want to play great golf, if I want to be in a great relationship, then I got to work on my game. And I got to work on the stuff I'm not good at and not waste my time stroking my ego working on stuff I'm already good at. That won't get me anywhere. All right, so let me go through these 10 things and just see if see if one lands on you. And there's going to be a big ouch when it does. There's going to be like, "Ooh, that got me." That was like like a little like somebody stuck a little knife in you. It's like, "Ooh, there it is." <laughs> Some of them may be, "Oh, yeah, I can do that." You know, yeah, sometimes I can fall into that. Other ones will be, "Nope." That, that just goes right through. That doesn't land on me at all, right? So either it'll be like, nope, that's not me, or eh, maybe, could be, yeah, I, I could see that. And then the other, the category you're looking for is the one that goes, oh, guilty, that's me. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> okay? All right, so the first one I would just say is, is your weakness that you're critical and judgmental? Are you like a... Like a know-it-all, like you're you're criticizing people, you put people down, you're judgmental. You know what I mean? You're like you're like a perfectionist. You have these high standards, and you're just pointing out where people are wrong. And so, are you critical and judgmental? If you are, do you see how that's going to sabotage your relationships? Who who wants to be with critical Kathy? or judgmental Joe, right? No, no fun. So are you critical and judgmental? Second one, um, is your weakness what, what I might call repression? Repression, meaning you swallow the word no. Like you don't say no. You don't know how to say no. You don't set boundaries. You don't even know what a boundary is, but you don't set them. You don't say no. You don't want to disappoint anyone. 
you you repress your needs, you repress your wants. You're all about the other person. You're a giver. You're a nurturer. You're helpful. You're generous. But you suck at saying no. You really struggle with setting boundaries and asking for what you need or what you want. You don't even know what you need or what you want. So is is that you? Can you see how that would really cause trouble in relationships? It's like someone's in a relationship with a phantom, a ghost, like you're not there, right? Because you have no, there's no no. There's no clarity. There's no boundaries. They're in a relationship and and you're transparent. It's like you're a, a puff of smoke. There's no substance to you. You don't know... You're repressing who you are and what you want and what you stand for and because you're probably afraid that if I do all that, nobody would want to be with me. So I've got to say yes and, you know, and oh, I can't set boundaries because that might offend someone, And right? So is that your issue? Do you kind of repress yourself, not really show up? Okay, third, are you a pretender? Um... Are you what I would call an impression addict? You want to make an impression. You want to impress people. You want to control your image. You want people to to think of you a certain way, to see you a certain way. In other words, are you a little bit like a politician who wants to get votes? And so no matter what group you're speaking to, you you want their vote, so you're going to you know, patronize, you're, you're going to say what you think they want you to say and what they want to hear. And, and then they're like, oh yeah, but then you're with a different group that might believe differently or stand for something differently. And now you're like a chameleon and you change and now you want their vote. So you're going to say to them, whatever you think they really want you to say. This is very common. This is my thing. This is my weakness. Being a chameleon, really adapting to be successful, adapting to be liked, adapting to whatever it takes to be seen or appreciated by someone or something. Follow me? Are you an image manager? Do you play that kind of game? Very often, people that do this, they don't even know they're doing it. That's one of the problems with these weaknesses. Is like if you're critical and judgmental, sometimes you don't even know you're that way because you just think you're right. <laughs> I'm not being critical. I'm right. <laughs> I'm not being judgmental. I'm right about that. You don't even know how you're coming off, which is why you might want to ask people what your weaknesses are. <laughs> and if you're repressing, I mean, like sometimes you don't even know that you never say no, that you don't have any boundaries and people walk all over you and, you know, and uh, you don't even recognize that you don't say what you need. I, I don't even think, I, you know, I didn't even know I was supposed to say what I wanted. I thought that was selfish, right? And, and, and if you're an image manager, sometimes you don't even know you're doing it. You almost believe your own press clippings and you're just playing game. You're pretending, you're, putting on a pretense. You just want to be liked. 
You just want to be noticed or you want to make an impression. Okay? So that's three. How about number four? Like, is your weakness your emotions? Like your emotions overwhelm you? There's a turbulence that you... You seem to wake up every morning and you're a hot mess. You know, you're 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 just upset about things. You're scared, sad, lonely, feeling betrayed, taken advantage of, and you're you're just an emotional mess. Is that your weakness? You know, it's really difficult to be in a relationship with a drama queen or a drama king. I mean, something's always bothering you. There's always some story about what somebody did to you, right? It's kind of like this emotional thing is like being a victim. You always feel like I'm being taken advantage of and I'm being mistreated. So people are doing things to me and why me? And there's, there's kind of this melancholy whine about yourself and about life. And it's like, ew, you know, is, is, I mean, just, I mean, fess up. Is that you? Is is your weakness the way you manage your emotions? Do you need to work on your emotional stability, on your emotional tranquility? Right? So common. But wow, it's so easy to work on or do something else that you feel is your superpower. <laughs> but Man, I don't want to spend the next five years focusing on learning how to manage my emotions and live with them in a healthy way where I feel them and express them in ways that create harmony and connection with the people around me. Because up until now, it's been creating disharmony and chaos and drama and people ending relationships with you and I don't want to be around you and... You know, boyfriends, girlfriends, they just can't, they can't take it anymore. Okay? These are hard things to work on. They're no fun. Because if you work on your emotions or you work on your, your impression addiction, your image management, well, if I'm trying, if I'm addicted to, you know, presenting an image, then the way I work on that is by telling the truth about myself especially when I know it might not make me look good. (laughs) Who wants to admit that they've got a racist part of them? Who wants to admit that they're judgmental or critical or, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's like, and if you're, if you're an emotional mess, I mean, who wants to focus your attention every day on learning how, to release and let go of your emotions and quit holding on to all that crap and all your resentments and angers and bitterness. Okay? That's number four. Number five, is your weakness that you take things personal? Now, if you've got an ego, you take things personal because that's what the ego is. The ego is the personal self and it takes everything personal. (laughs) Okay? But there's, there's the normal taking things personal, and then there's when I take things personal. You know, someone looks at me wrong, and, and it throws me into a tizzy. Um, I, I, I can't take criticism, constructive or otherwise. Um, I can't get feedback. 
It just, people say things, they, you know, if they don't return my text, that means I'm unlovable and, and, uh, and nobody wants me. And right. So do you struggle with taking things personal? In other words, what I'm asking is, do you get triggered frequently? You get upset by things. And I, and the last one, <coughs> the last one was kind of a, an emotional turbulence. This one, it's kind of a sister. It's like, um, things happen outside of you and you make it be about you. What did you mean? That would you mean that about me? What does it mean about me? Does that mean I'm not lovable? I'm not good enough. I'm unwanted. I'm not pretty enough. Do you take things personal? And you can see how that would mess up in your relationships because when you take things personal, you're going to blame you're doing this to me. You're saying this about me. You make me angry. You you hurt my feelings. You're, you make me feel like I'm not important. You know what I mean? So you're going to get in a lot of drama when you take things personal because outside factors, you're allowing them to trigger you and then you take it out on people and you dump it on people and you vent and so forth. So... Do you take things really personal and does that sabotage your relationships in your life? Sixth, um, are you someone who's really committed to being right and you're, you're argumentative? Okay. I, I, this is one for me. I mean, I can, I can argue with the best of them. I call it my Johnny Cochran persona. <laughs> like, there's a lawyer in me that wants to argue and disprove your case and tell you where you're wrong and then give my reasons. I mean, if there's ever drama between me and my wife, it's when I want to be right about politics or people or the way the world should be. Like one of my biggest triggers, I'll just be honest with you. One of my biggest triggers is when something doesn't make sense to me. Okay? If it doesn't make sense to my mind, then of course it's wrong because what makes sense to my mind is right. <laughs> That's how the mind works, right? But when something doesn't make sense to me, I will argue and I will maintain that if it doesn't make sense, that means it's not right and my view is right. This comes up all the time in life. Because there's so many things in life that don't make sense. You're on the road and traffic is all backed up and you're not going anywhere. And and then you just creep along at a walking speed for 20 minutes. And then the traffic just mystically opens up. There was no wreck. There's no construction. It makes... Why, why were we so slowed down? There's no reason... <laughs> And I get upset and it doesn't make any sense, right? So that's kind of an idiotic example of that. But even in something more more common day today, the, the idea, you can see adults walking around without a mask on, but they're making kids wear the mask. Where isn't it clear that the kids are the least likely to get COVID and suffer anything detrimental? Shouldn't the adults be wearing a mask and the kids not? It doesn't make any sense to me. Now, I'm not, 
I might be wrong about that. Maybe I got the science wrong. That, that's the point, right? In my mind, I'm right about who can get COVID and who can't, and so therefore it doesn't make any sense to me. And it, But I'll argue about it. That's the point. If I just notice that and I can just let it go, oh, that seems odd, whatever, just let it go. No, I will argue with people about that. <laughs> I'll I'll try to make him wrong. I'll try to get all kinds of stats and evidence and so I I can do that in so many areas of my life. Now, you can imagine who wants to relate with Mr. Wright who argues about everything and 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 wants to prove you wrong. I mean, who wants to really live with Johnny Cochran for crying out loud? You follow me? So is that your thing? All right? On uh, number 7. Um are you are you sort of scattered? Um, like you're kind of all over the place. Um, schedules packed, um, overcommitted, and because of all that, you forget things. You and, and you break agreements, and or you miss deadlines, or you promise something to someone, and then you forgot about it because you got so much going on, and you, it just, like it all like things fall through the cracks. Because you're going so fast, you're so busy, and you're just kind of scattered and all over the place. Okay, is is that your weakness? I mean, do you have a little bit of that FOMO? I'm going to do a whole podcast on this, by the way. The fear of missing out. That somewhat is behind the scattered, busy person. Is they're so afraid of missing out on something fun that they they just say yes to everything or. You know, they don't want to miss out on anything, so that they don't want to commit. What are you doing on Saturday? I'm I'm having a party. Okay, maybe I'll be there, uh, but you kind of wait. Maybe there's something better that will come along between now and Saturday, so I'm going to keep my options open. And so you're kind of scattered and non-committal, um, and sort of all over the place. And doesn't that drive people crazy around you? It's like, yeah, I know June said that they would. You know, be here, but you know how June is. Something comes up that day, she's going to blow us off and go do that. You know, or you're breaking agreements or promises because you've got so much going on, you're scattered, you're all over the place. Right? Is that your weakness? That was not hard to work on. Not, not, that was not fun to work on. <laughs> to be more disciplined, to be more honest with your commitments and if you say you're going to do something you're going to do it to to really to work on all those things Ooh, yeah see that's not that's not fun personal growth see that's the point of all this we love to be comfortable we want to have fun we want to enjoy our lives i'm telling you the secret to genuine personal growth is to lose the addiction to, I want to feel good. No, sometimes you have to do something that's really hard that doesn't feel good. But in the end, it pays off. Right? So it's, it's kind of like delaying gratification. Nobody likes to delay gratification. <laughs> you know? But that's why we don't really grow sometimes. That's why a golfer can have the same problem this year and they'll have the same problem five years from now. Did you know in golf, they keep track of the, the average handicap of a golfer, you know how good the average golfer is. 
Do you know in the last 40 years, it has basically remained unchanged? Unchanged in 40 years. And in that time, we've had incredible developments of video and teaching philosophies. The equipment in golf has grown exponentially, right? The facilities, the the courses, everything has gotten better, but the golfer isn't better. Why? Because they don't practice on the stuff that's not fun. The stuff that is difficult. They don't delay gratification. (laughs) Okay? So that's how it is. All right, number eight. Um, Is your weakness the inability to be vulnerable, to admit or show weakness, or do you have to be in control, right? Yeah, you're about power. I'm in control. I don't want anyone to see that I have self-doubt. I don't want to ask for help. Um, I want to project this, I've got it together, I'm in charge. You know, I don't need anyone. And this is a big thing in relationships. We we think this self-sufficiency and this radical independence, this attitude of I don't need a woman and I don't need a man. I mean, that's, I'm, you know, I won't show any vulnerability. I won't show any neediness. And that will sabotage your love life. People have gifts they want to give you, but you walk around like, I've got it. I've got it taken care of. I'm good. I'm solid. I'm, I don't need anything. You know, I'm, I'm impenetrable. I'm sufficient. Someone says, well, I have this gift to give in a relationship, but you don't seem to need anything. You, you project this image of, you know, invulnerability. you're not receptive. There's no yearning in you to receive someone's love and someone's gift to you because you just feel like that's weak. It's weak to need or to have someone give something to me. So you project this position of power and you end up single because people have a gift to give. And if you don't want it, that's fine. But I'll go to that person over there that has their arms wide open and would, would love to receive my gift. They come to a relationship with vulnerability. N- not a vulnerability from a place of like victim, take care of me. I'm a damsel in distress. I can't manage my own life. Can you take care of me? No, not that kind of vulnerability. I mean kind of the the vulnerability to reveal your heart, to reveal what you're feeling, to reveal um, the issues in your life, to 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 to, to, to just be open, to let a person see the inside, that see the reality that you you don't have it all together, that you're you're not so strong. You're not so independent. You're not so sufficient. Right? But when you project that I've got it all together, power, lack of vulnerability, then people just they just don't feel like you need them. This happens more and more to women 
as women, this is a good thing, but as women become more self-sufficient, independent, financially, socially, economically, all which is wonderful for women, but as they embody their, their sufficiency, they're having trouble connecting with men because it's like their balls are bigger than men's balls. They wear the pants better than a man does. It's like, I don't need you. I don't need your presence. And men can feel it. I don't know. I mean, she's great. I respect her, but I don't, I don't know. I don't feel like I have anything to give. But that girl over there, she seems to have her arms wide open. She, she's able to take care of herself. She's on her game, but I sense their heart is open for me to claim it, for me to come into her body, to come into her life and take up residence in her. She'll let me do that. A man wants to live in a woman. Do you hear that? A man wants to live in a woman. I mean that sexually, but I mean that emotionally. He wants to be connected. He wants to give his gifts. He wants his presence to fill your body. You, you've got to spread your legs. I'm sorry, I have no other way to say it. You, you have to spread your heart. You have to open. You have to be vulnerable. Come to me. I, I, I need your presence. I want you to enter me. I want you to fill me with your, your strength and your protection and your, your power and your love. I, I really want that. I really need that. But see, women have been taught you can't show that. Show the opposite. Well, okay, show the opposite and just stay single. Because I'm just maintaining it's not true. This idea that you're all self-sufficient and you're independent and you don't need anything from anyone, that's bullshit. We all know it. I think vulnerability, even if you're a feminist, and I stand for feminists, but vulnerability is not anti-feminist. Vulnerability is just the truth. (laughs) You are vulnerable, and I'm vulnerable. We're either going to fake it or we're going to admit it. We're either going to own it and open and allow someone to come into us and fill us and give us what they have to give, or we can try to maintain this armor, this body armor that says, I got it. I got it. I don't need anything. Right? And you end up being single. All right, number nine. Do you, um, is your issue, your weakness, you avoid conflict? Like you're like deathly afraid of anger. You're, you're afraid of a confrontation. You, right, it's like, oh my God, I, conf- I can't deal with conflict. I'll, I'll make something up. I'll, I'll run away. I'm, I, you know, I'll, um, I'll go along to get along. I'll say yes when I mean no. I'll say no when I mean yes. I, I just don't want anyone to be upset with me. I don't want anyone to be upset around me. I don't want to be upset with them. I don't want them to be upset toward me. I just want, I just, I'm, I'm a, I'm a peace addict. (laughs) I'm a harmony addict. And that is a real weakness in relationship because sometimes things need to be confronted. Sometimes there is conflict. Anger is an appropriate emotion It can be used for destruction, but it can be used for construction. 
anger can can put a stop to something so something better can come forth. Anger can be a very positive emotion. But for a lot of people, their weakness is they, they're conflict avoidant. They're, they're scared of anger. And there might be good reason. Maybe they had some very angry people in their backgrounds. Maybe early in their life, they did sort of stand up and confront things and it really went bad for them. And so they've learned, okay, just go along and get along. Don't, don't make waves. Don't be a bother. Okay. But then you, when you relate with these people, it's like you're relating and they're flatlined, right? There's no intensity with them. They're, they're kind of monotone. They're vanilla because they've, they've blocked the flow of anger. Anger produces um, a beautiful kind of manic, <laughs> bipolar, like where you're alive, you, you, you can be excited, you can be sad, you can be, you know, you have a full range of emotion. You become an interesting person. But when, you're, when you avoid conflict, you avoid anger, and you're just trying to keep every, everything smooth, it's like you're in the hospital and it's a flat line. Beep. It's like you're dead. People can't feel you, right? You can't, they can't feel you. Like, who are you? Where are you? What are you, what are you feeling? Are you happy? Are you sad? I can't tell. <laughs> Do you like me? Do you not like me? I, I, I can't get a reading on you. Have you had people give you that kind of feedback? You're, all, you're always good. You're always this. You never seem to have a good day or a bad day. You're always here and and. and I, this happened or that happened, that had to bother you. No, it didn't bother me. It's just all right. It's, uh, I guess I understand why they did it. It's no problem. And then people think you're inauthentic. They're like, what are, you, what are you talking about? There's no way that didn't bother you. Right? Okay, so is that your thing? Is that your weakness? And then lastly, last but not least, are you a people pleaser? Approval? Addiction? People got to like me. I mean, it's somewhat tied to avoiding conflict. Um, but more than that, it's like, do you find yourself becoming someone, you know, because you want to please everybody? And, and you, maybe you're just afraid of being disconnected or a loneliness, right? So you're just going to, you're going to do, you're going to be a people pleaser because if you feel like if you don't, then you'll be disconnected, you'll be alone, um, or the approval addiction. I just got to get people to approve of me. And so when you're doing that, you, you lose track of your core, your core purposes, your core beliefs, your core wants, because you don't really know who you are. You are, you are just whatever you think might get you approval or applause. And you kind of lose your, your center. And again, people can't, feel the authentic you. They feel you just kind of wanting people to like you. This can make you try too hard in relationships, come off needy, trying too hard. Um, you end up in the friend zone when you behave like this, right? Because you're, you're, you're just showing up in kind of a weak kind of way and you're, you're just nice and you're just friendly because you you want them to like you and then people they don't find that very sexy and you end up getting put in the friend zone 
Okay, because they they just can't feel any substance in you. Okay, so those are ten weaknesses, and none of them are easy to work on. None of them are fun to work on. But you can take all of your great qualities because you have a ton of great qualities. I have a ton of great qualities. I really do. But I've been doing the great qualities my entire life. And to whatever degree my life is being held back, it's not be, it's not because of my superpowers. It's because of my super weaknesses. <laughs> so, you know, if you if you if you really do want to grow, the first most unpopular secret is you have to identify your weakness and then you have to come up with a serious long-term plan on how do I transcend this weakness? How do I make it a strength? How do I let go of being critical or repressing myself or my emotional turbulence or whatever it might be? How because today it's 2022. Your question should be, whatever your weakness is, one year from right now, whenever you're listening to this, one year from right now, how do you and what will it take to where you can honestly look in the mirror and say, that issue is no longer my issue. I've addressed it. I've worked on that. That is no longer a weakness of mine. See, when you, that's personal growth. And when you do that, your whole life is going to be transformed because it's this issue that's holding you back, relationally, occupationally, you know, whatever it might be. Okay? So that, that's the first secret. The next one is coming next week. I'm not going to give you much preview here other than to say it's another juicy, unpopular secret. And I'm here to process anything. You know that. You know that I'm here to follow up with you to talk about these things. You know, so you can reach me at Roy at coachingwithroy.com. My cell phone number is 407-687-3387. I want you to reach out to me to process, talk. You can argue with me about these things. You can write. I want to hear from you, and I'm here for all of that. But for now, that's the first unpopular secret of genuine personal growth is that you got to know your weaknesses and you got to work on them. All right. Until next week. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Attracting Lasting Love with Roy Biancalana. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with anyone you think might benefit from listening. Check out our website at coachingwithroy.com and tune in every week for more insights and wisdom on creating healthy, lasting, conscious relationships.